The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now, it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Everybody, it must be Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m., or it might be Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. We're on twice a week to talk about your career, dissect the job market, look at the talent pools, talk about the economy. Boy, we do that a lot on this show. And thank goodness I'm not talking to myself. I found a great, great guy who we're friends by this time, Mike Hartsman a certified financial planner. He's a Wall Street veteran who specializes in retirement planning, education, elder and estate planning, life insurance, long-term care. Yes, he knows all about those things, but his vast knowledge of these subjects are discussed weekly on his podcast, The Labenthal Report, and I was a guest on his podcast yesterday. So uh, we're developing a, a pretty close relationship here, and I actually trust Michael as, mu- as much as anybody I've ever met in the uh, financial world. As co-host, Mike helps guide listeners through their complex world of investing while breaking down today's headlines and stories into easily understood concepts, providing the kind of sound fiduciary advice his clients have received for years. Michael is currently partner and president of Laventhal Financial Services, a full-service independent broker-dealer with an emphasis on financial and retirement planning, as well as president of Bristol Capital Corp., a full-service insurance agency specializing in life insurance, long-term care, fixed annuities, and employee benefits. Uh, Michael has done it all. Thank you so much for, for being here, Mike, especially having just seen me and spent time with me yesterday it was my pleasure scott thanks for having me back and thanks for doing our show last night yeah but by the way tell people when they can see your show so the podcast is broadcast live over voice america every tuesday at 5 p.m and we also rebroadcast it um or should i say we make it available on itunes we make it available on the labenthal uh youtube page and we also, if you want to join our email list, we send it out to all our clients and friends via email uh, right after the show. So you can contact our office at 516-349-5555 and ask for Larissa. And there you go. You're going to get the weekly financial information instead of the quarterly mm-hmm. uh, if you list, tune into Mike's show. But um, Mike, we're here to talk about where we are in the economy. Can I just whine just for a minute? Scott, it wouldn't be an appearance if you weren't. <laughs> So, okay. So now they're not going to raise interest rates, perhaps, for the rest of the year. Correct. Am I supposed to jump up and down about that? I mean, the interest rates are high enough now that people can't borrow money. People can't buy houses. If you go to buy a car, it's $100 a month more than what it would have been before this all started. Um, I don't understand how that's good news, but but I'm sure you're going to put it in a good light. Uh, it's certainly better than interest rates going up, but we need them to go down. So give me your thoughts on interest rates. Okay. So first of all, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, mm. but when the Federal Reserve embarks on a campaign to raise interest rates, they know they're going to break things. They know there's going to be some type of destruction, either in corporate America or in people's homes. The first thing that normally breaks is the real estate market. Because as you just pointed out, mortgages get too expensive, car loans get too expensive, everything gets too expensive. Even for a corporation, they want to build a factory, that gets too expensive. So what does that do, Scott? 
it it slows down the economy and the whole goal of raising interest rates is to slow down the economy so when this campaign started two years ago we had what the media called runaway inflation and it was very very high and it was very very painful the only way or one of the few ways that the fed has in in fighting inflation is raising interest rates right now the fed might have a little bit of cover to stop raising interest rates. And I'm not saying this is a good thing, and I'm not equating the two in any way, but the war in Israel, which started 10 days ago, with with, with the possibility of oil going up, basically is a tax increase for the consumer. And that could give the Fed a little bit of cover to not raise interest rates going forward. Mm-hmm. When will they lower interest rates? There were people earlier this year who thought they would lower interest rates by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. My partner, Dominic, and I felt that was a ridiculous premise because mm-hmm. the economy would have had to have fallen into a pretty severe recession for that to happen. Reasonably, I would predict that interest rates should start to go down based on what we know now sometime in the middle of next year. Late okay. spring, early summer. Okay. So uh, the other thing, not that not that I, I'm, I'm too happy about that news, but uh, the other thing that um, we need to talk about, Mike, and, and you've been going as, as, be- as best you can giving us good advice. Some people say we are still headed for a recession. And lots of people say, no, we're not. We've got a Goldilocks situation and we're, we're, um, we're going to have this soft landing. Mm-hmm. So... It's disturbing enough to even be in this situation, as far as I'm concerned, as a consumer and a business person and a person whose uh, job is connected to the economy. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like is why can't we have some agreement here? What, what, it, are we or are we not going to have a recession, a mild recession, any kind of recession? Or is it is what we got right now is what we're going to have through the end of the year and then eventually... Uh, interest rate drops, avoiding the word recession. I know you're not going to like this answer. <laughs> but the, 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 the truth is, at this moment, it's anybody's educated guess. Mm. Um, and the reason is because of a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Mm. And that's jobs, jobs, jobs. The job market, and I've said this on every appearance, and it still remains to right now, the job market's been phenomenally consistent. The unemployment rate has been phenomenally low, relatively speaking, to other interest rate cycles where interest rates are going up. So do I think we have to have a recession? No, I do not. Do I think if we have a recession, it'll be a mild one? Yes, I do. And that's based upon, again, the job market remaining strong, wage pressure easing up a little bit. Talk about that a little bit before you go too much further, because you've mentioned it many times on the show. And we don't really dive into it. What does that mean? What does wage pressure mean? Wage pressure means, and again, this is something near and dear to your heart. You're a recruiter. Yeah. Wage pressure means that employers have a little bit of an upper hand right now, and they do not feel the pressure to give their employees raises or meet the demands of employees as as they might feel 
when there's a a, a more of a severe job shortage. Okay, right? so this is evidenced by United Auto Workers and and all the the Screen Actors Guild people, and you know, a lot of strikes out there. In just general statistics, as in general, so. I'll give you an example. A week ago Friday, uh, towards the end of September, we had a jobs number come out on a Friday. And the jobs number was still very resilient, very strong. As a result of that, the stock market sold off in the morning. And it's always very frustrating for me when the stock market sells off on good news. Mm. Right? Good news is bad news. It's counterintuitive. Right. By the end of the day, the stock market was up about 400 points. The stock market actually went up on good news. And, and the other reason it was accredited to the rebound was because the wage inflation number came out, and that was cooler. So the unemployment number didn't go up, but the wage inflation number didn't go up either. Mm-hmm. So wage pressure is easing, which the stock market looks at favorably. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you a silly question. You probably laugh at it. Mm-hmm. So are we better off? with the R word, a recession, or are we better off with 7% and plus interest rates, which to me feels like a recession? Can we get a third option? No. <laughs> if you have a third option, go for it. Well, the third option would be what you said before, would be would be a soft landing or, or a no landing, mm-hmm. where the, 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 the government, the, the feds say, okay, we're getting the inflation rate, the CPI number, down to around 2%, which is your target rate. Mm-hmm. So maybe it gets to 2 25 maybe even 3 and the Fed could feel that they've done enough to stop raising interest rates. That is the Goldilocks economy. That's what you just said. So most people are rooting for that third option. Rooting. Yeah, rooting. I mean, obviously, no one wants to see a recession. No one wants to see people lose their jobs. No one wants to see any of that. So the third option would be the Goldilocks scenario where the Fed says, okay, we actually have done enough, and let's take our foot off the pedal. Okay. So give us what the uh, CPI is right now. The CPI is still hovering around three and a half, closer to four. Okay. So so maybe three and a half. How do we get it down further? And then I have another question about prices coming down because mm-hmm. I haven't seen that, Mike. So I, I really don't understand the the financial intellectual connection between interest uh, between inflation improving from seven or eight percent down to three point seven percent when the price you pay at the grocery store is higher than what you paid six months ago. So let me answer answer that one first. Mm. So when inflation cools off, that doesn't mean the price of things comes down. It means the price of things goes up slower. So just because we have cooling inflation, Scott, doesn't mean things are going to get cheaper, right? That's still based on, you know, supply and demand, and as you've talked about in other shows, supply chain. But but just because, um, you know, the government says inflation has gone from five to four or five to three, that doesn't mean stop and shop goes, that's awesome, let's lower the price of eggs. <clears throat> But people are still willing to pay, you know, uh, whatever they're paying for eggs. The supermarket's not motivated to lower the price. So that, this brings us to a whole nother, a whole nother issue. You know that that it, it just it's just flowing, Mike. Because w- w- people like me are are fighting 
for economic stability. Okay, I, 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 there's nothing I can really do, Mike. I have a radio show. I can talk about the subject, you know, and get it out there and, and provide as much information as possible. But I'm powerless to do anything about this. But what, I, what I'm trying to understand is how do we get to the point where companies actually lower their prices? Again, you know, I think that boils down to supply and demand and and. If we actually do have a recession and people start losing their jobs and people's wallets close, then you're going to see lower prices, Scott. Mm. But be careful what you wish for, right? Because it's, it would take those type of tremors for you to see generally, generally lower prices. Look, we both live on Long Island. You still can't get into a restaurant on a Saturday night on Long Island, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So most people, and, I've, and, and, I, and if I look at my own client base, I, I haven't had a single client express to me job insecurity. Not one. Mm-hmm. I've had one client, unfortunately, lose her job in the whole year. Where you know we had to do a rollover, that's how I knew she lost her job. Mm. So, so the only way you're going to see l- truly lower prices is by having demand destruction. And I would argue with you, we don't want demand destruction. That's not a good thing. Okay, so if demand destruction is not the solution to getting the prices lower, how do we get the prices lower? I, you know, there, I, I don't know if you do get the prices lower, right? If, if, as long as people are willing to spend their money and, and, and willing to go out and shop and, and buy the things that they need and want, you, you, you're not going to. We're coming up on the Christmas season, and Wall Street expects it to be another decent Christmas season. People, mm-hmm. are, people are not closing their wallets right now. So, so if, if, if whether it's a high-end brand or, or a, a, a television, if, 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 you know, if, a manufacturer is, is is selling TVs at two hundred dollars. What motivation do they have to sell them at one hundred and fifty if they're still selling them? Mm. So it's really going to take, you know, the economy just really hitting the brakes and really falling off a cliff for you to see genuine genuine lower prices. But you know, Mike, there's part of me that says maybe that isn't a bad thing because some short term pain. You know, we use it, you know, living under the R word, right? Uh, living, a, whatever, four months, six months, eight months, whatever that is. If it can lower the prices, then maybe that pain is worth it. I'm just, I, I, I'm a, look, I'm a novice. I'm a complete novice at finance. I, I've never said that I'm, I'm good at this. That's why I have you on the show. But it just seems to me we've got to get the prices lower. The, this is not a joke. You, you, when people can't buy homes, and I'm, I've, my lease is up on my car. Mm-hmm. I would have to spend $135 a month more mm-hmm. and put down $1,500 more on the car mm-hmm. to get a lease the same car that I leased three years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, fifteen hundred more and a, plus one hundred thirty-five a month more. Mm-hmm. So one hundred thirty-five times thirty-six months, right? Is a quite a bit of difference in money. It is. So, so I'm going to buy the car. I'm going to you know buy it off lease, and and uh, it's going to cost me twenty grand of of my precious savings. Um, but 
I feel like I'm not, I don't want to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay more for a car that, uh, you know, that, that I shouldn't have to pay more for. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think that way. A lot of people do think that way. And, and that is happening. And, and if enough people think that way, and suddenly there is an abundance of cars sitting on lots, then you'll see the price come down. Then you'll see sales. But for now, with inventories tight, you, you know, you're not really seeing um, the auto manufacturers motivate to lower prices because there is a shortage. And, and that shortage still te- uh, stems from the supply chain issues from several years ago. And, and not only that, you know, there's all kinds of metals in these cars now. I mean, it's like driving a computer on, on wheels. Mm-hmm. So those, the, 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 the cost of, of building those cars and getting those, those materials has gone up. The cost of getting the cars into America, if they're made overseas, has gone up. So manufacturers are going to eat those costs. They're going to pass them along to the consumer until, to your point, until they can't. Mm. All right. Well, we have to figure out when we're going to get to that point where they can't. So that that that's the 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 forty billion dollar question is is when is this all going to go away? You know, is it possible this could linger, Mike, for for some time? Six, twelve, eighteen, twenty four months. You know, we're we're still going to be paying these high prices. Yes. Yeah, because Scott, don't forget. If, if there isn't job descru- destruction, which mm-hmm. I'm hoping there isn't, mm-hmm. right, for all the obvious reasons, if the economy stays decent, if, if corporate earnings stay decent, if people have, you know, job security and, and, and they still feel, you know, like they're comfortable in their positions, they're going to continue to spend money. You know, there's not going to be an incentive for a manufacturer to lower their price. Look, it always gets down to a very simple tenant in, in the economy, and that's supply and demand. And an example just popped into my head. Remember about 15 years ago, 3D television with the goggles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened to that? Right. Right? It's gone. No one's buying a 3D TV. Mm-hmm. You, could buy, you could probably buy a 3D television today for $2. Mm-hmm. But 15 years ago, they were the hottest thing around. Right. Until people realized, I mean, I, I, how am I going to fall asleep wearing these goggles? <laughs> <laughs> right. I fall asleep to TV also. So, so my point is, that's an example just literally popped into my head. Mm. But it was about supply and demand and what consumers want. And, and corporate America, they're no dummies. You know, they're going to they're gonna continue to make as much money as they can on the things that people want to buy right now right and it does seem as though the um the two trillion dollar uh, bailout you know that the biden administration did at the very beginning maybe put a lot more money in people's pockets and i think perhaps has prolonged this spending spree that's been going on a lot of that i think at this point is is has been washed through the system mm-hmm. um and the other thing that, that I want to talk about tonight, and I hope we have time in the first segment, is don't forget, interest rates now are a lot higher than they were from the point of view of savings as well. So you would think that if, if a consumer had a decision between buying a CD or a treasury making 5%, or maybe buying that television or that new piece of furniture they, that may or may not need, you know, maybe they, maybe they, buy, they put the money into a CD temporarily. Mm. Um, that has begun to happen. Not enough, to your point, to slow down the economy, but you know that we do see more money going into savings vehicles that we were not seeing a year ago. Interesting. And uh, what sort of interest rate can you get today? 
So you could buy you could buy a, a United States Treasury bond two years or less for well over five or five percent, and you could buy a CD anywhere between five and five and a quarter. Mm. And again, twelve months ago, that was not the case. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. All right, you're listening to Radio Jobland with Scott Possessor, and I have nothing less than my favorite guest, Mike Hartsman, um, who seems to be able to calm me down. You know, when I talk about finance, I get very excited. You know, I, get, I turn red, I, I all kinds of things happen, uh, but Mike has the bedside manner that I require uh, for guests on my radio show here, Jobline. Mike, I want you to tell people quickly, what is the website for your company? So it's labenthalfinancial.com. We have two websites. One's labenthal.com. Could you spell it? Yes. L-E-B-E-N-T-H-A-L.com. Okay, good. Thank so, you. So you can go, folks, to uh, to uh, find Michael Hartsman and, and let him help you the way he's helping me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. If you would like to be on the show, it's very easy enough. Just write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. scottp118 at gmail.com. One of these days, I'm going to come up with a, an email address that makes more sense, like scott at jobline or something like that. But I've not done it yet. Um, and we'll be happy to have you or your idea on the show. Uh, we've, we've got shows straight through, through the end of the year, um, very much like this one, so stay with us. Uh, we have a news break coming up. We'll be back after just a moment. May the four winds blow you safely And now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. Um, it's a real pleasure to welcome Michael Hartsman today, certified financial planner, um, knowledgeable about all things finance, and I have come to to know and respect Mike. And I, he, you've probably been on the on the show five or six times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael has been giving us a bird's eye view of what is happening in the economy. Every three months, he goes out of his way to make it here so that he can show us where we're going, where we're at, what's coming up next, what should we be looking for. And I I so appreciate the advice because these are troubling times that we're living in. Uh, You don't have to look very far at the war, at the second war, at at at, at the things that are going on in this country with politically. Um, th- th- there's just so much that Americans have to deal with, that humans have to deal with on this crazy planet that's burning up right before our eyes. Uh, we-, we have a show coming up uh, th- about uh, the impact of climate control, mm-hmm. uh, not climate control, climate change on uh, on, on the workforce, which mm-hmm. is going to be uh, magnificent. It's going to be a huge uh, change. So, uh, so much to talk about, and and what what I really want to just dive into now is the stock market. Okay, because so many people, even though they're not really dabbling, they're in it because they have a four hundred one k or they have some sort of annuity or they have something mm-hmm. you know we, we, that's completely uh, you know dependent on the stock market doing okay. So, how has the stock market been since you joined me here on Jobline? Well, I joined you last year. So right. last year, the stock market was terrible. Mm-hmm. Last year, the Standard & Poor 500 went down 
20 percent mm-hmm. the nasdaq which is mostly technology companies and smaller companies went down 30 percent mm-hmm. the beginning of this year was fantastic on paper and i'll explain that in a moment the um, S&P 500 went up in the first six months, about 18%. And the NASDAQ at one point it was up you know, between 35 and 40% in the first half of, of the year. It's cooled off, not considerably, it's cooled off, which gives market experts, I guess, you know, some relief that it couldn't go up that far that fast that quickly. Mm-hmm. So right now, the S&P year-to-date is up about 15%. So we've given back about 5%. And the NASDAQ is up about 28%. So again, we've given back about 8 to 10% there, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually, you could look at it as a bullish thing because the market, with all the turmoil that you just mentioned, the market's been pretty resilient, Scott. The market has not has not completely given up all their gains, which is which again we look at as a bullish sign. Mm-hmm. We look at it as people are more optimistic financially than they are neg- than they are negative. One thing that I want to point out about the S and P and the Nasdaq is, while on paper it is true that the S and P in the first half of the year was up twenty percent, well, what many people don't realize is the S and P five hundred is not a democratic index. The bigger companies make up, the top 10 companies make up 40% mm. of, the S, of the price of the S&P 500. So in the beginning of the year, some very, very large tech companies, people could look up who they are. Layoffs. The, the, no, no, they were, they're all the ones that went through the roof, mm-hmm. right? The other 490 companies, 95 companies didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So there's another index called the equally weighted S&P 500. And what that means in plain English is it's not an overweighted index. You get a very democratic index. You buy one 500th of each company, the largest and the smallest. And guess what? That index is actually flat for the year. So it's really been a stock picker's market for the for the for the first ten months of the year, there is some optimism that the market is spreading out a little bit. We call it breath that the breath of the market is widening, and 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 again, I I'm not using the war in Israel as to be opportunistic at all. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. With with the market not collapsing over that could also be viewed as bullish as long as that war does not spread mm. as long as we don't we don't get involved COVID, you know directly we don't get iran involved iraq involved as long as we get this war stays contained i think the market could trade through that and just look at earnings and look at the fundamentals of the market itself without all that outside stuff that could really weigh you down. Right. Sorry for that being so wordy. It's okay. So, so if you're in the market, you know, which I think to some degree almost everybody is, if you're in the market this year, you didn't suffer. Last year, you did. Correct. Okay. Uh, how do you think it's looking for now for next year? There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that will tell you that it's rare for the market to go down two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's this still could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Anything could happen. I believe it's still getting back to what we started the show with. It's going to be about interest rates mm-hmm. and recession. The the R word, the I word. If we don't have a recession, or if we have a, a, a mild recession and they're measured by time, 
if we have a mild or no recession and interest rates actually start to go down because the Fed, again, there's two reasons interest rates go down. One, the economy falls off a cliff and the, re, and the Fed has to do something drastic, or the, which it would be bad, or the Fed says we've accomplished our goal, now we're going to start lowering them again. So if the second scenario happens, Scott, which I think there's a good possibility, I am fairly optimistic about the outlook for the market in 2024. Okay, so let's look at let's look at two sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first side of the coin is the bad, the recession. Okay, I want you to tell us a little bit about what that looks like and when do we declare it. A recession. How does it get named a recession? When is that? Ha- what has to take place in order for it to be called a recession? And then let's look at the good. If 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 things go in the Goldilocks direction, you know what can we expect in twenty twenty four? So try handle both. Take your time. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the recession scenario, the 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 textbook version that college students learn is a recession is declared when we have two negative quarters in a row of negative GDP, negative gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. However, there is a more technical version that the government uses various matrix as as an agency, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, where, you know, they're part of an economic council and they're the ones who actually declare the the countries in a recession based on financial factors that they study on an ongoing basis. Mm. But if we just use... The, the the basic media version of a recession, which obviously the media loves to do, mm-hmm. it's two negative quarters of negative gross domestic product. Oh, so how has our GDP been these last couple of quarters? They've been positive. Both of them? Yeah. Both of the last two? Yeah. And are we expecting that for the next one? I think we are, because again, we're having good corporate earnings, mm-hmm. and, and there really hasn't been any indication that the economy is slowing down, which is why the Fed in their last meeting basically said, we may not be done yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the Fed says nothing by accident. Mm-hmm. So when the Fed says we, not be, we may not be done yet, they know the mere suggestion of that is going to cause the stock market to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, every, they don't say anything by accident. All right, so we got to pay very cl- close attention to what they do say. Oh yeah, uh, uh, because uh, the, the the hints are there. You know, the mm-hmm. tips are there, especially if you know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what do you recommend for people to do? You, you mentioned that interest rates are fairly high now, so you can get some money back on your money. Um, do you take some of your money out of the market and and put some of it into these five percent? Uh, CDs and annuities and, and things that you can invest in, or uh, is that is that a no no? So you've asked me a, a very generic question, mm-hmm. and because I am licensed and a certified financial planner, I'm going to punt on that because mm-hmm. literally everyone's circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. So it, it's based on risk tolerance. It's based on time horizon. It's based on your needs. There are so many other factors that go into that answer. So I don't want to give you a non-answer, but I'm going to have to give you a non-answer mm-hmm. because it, 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 everyone's everyone's decision has to be guided by their own set of circumstances. I was with clients last night. She's a teacher. She's retiring. Her investment goal on her statement with the school says that she's an aggressive investor. And I said to her, you're retiring. Are you an aggressive investor? Mm. She said, I do not believe that I am. 
So we're going to, again, we're going to remodel that portfolio. So it's really based on everyone's in, in particular situation at that moment in time. Okay. So most of the time, throughout my life anyway, uh, people have always said, leave your money. Leave your money in the stock market. It, it, eventually, it's going to come back. No matter what happens to it, it's going to come back. And so far, that has not been disproven as far as I know. That's correct. So if you decide on that strategy, history says you'll be okay. History says you're going to be okay. However, if, and I'm not talking about you in particular, mm -hmm. but if you are retiring and you are now going to take that asset that you now had for growth, now you need it for income. Now you, your dynamic as an investor perhaps has switched, mm. right? You've gone from accumulation to preservation because we need the income. Because what you don't want to do, you don't want to be taking income in a year where the stock market's gone 20%, right? So that could be a disaster mm -hmm. for any investor. So again, know thyself, know thy timeline. All right, let's talk about real estate for a minute. Okay. I know that's not your favorite subject, like mine is interest rates, mm -hmm. but but um, I I own a home, and um, the equity in my home is a part of my retirement uh, you know, picture, mm -hmm. uh, as if you want to call it that. Um, so we have some investments. We have a, a home. We have a very small mortgage left. So um, there, you know, the, it, it is mostly equity in my house. What I fear is that housing has sort of skated all of this. You know, I haven't seen real estate problems. I haven't seen uh, dropping prices. I've seen prices staying the same, very resilient. You use the word resilient. Seems to me the real estate market has been very resilient. So can we continue, can we hope that will continue? Well, we can hope, but will that continue? And what are your thoughts on that? I'm so happy you asked me this question. Good. One of the reasons that the real estate market has stayed resilient is because a lot of people... 10 years ago, locked down mortgages for less than 3%, right? My mortgage personally is 2.75%. Mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere, mm -hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not in a rush to pay it down. I'm not in a rush to sell my home. I love my 2.75% interest rate. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people, Scott, who are of a certain age who thought about selling maybe even downsizing, but they say to themselves, well, I'm going to downsize, but I'm going to triple triple my interest rate. So I'm just going to sit this one out. I'm going to wait for interest rates to come down a little bit. So one of the reasons, and I have a lot of clients who are real estate agents, and I ask them all the time, they're still doing pretty well, to your point. You're 100% right, because the inventory's tight. So homes are being scooped up as soon as they become available, because, because older folks aren't selling their homes as quick as they were. Mm. Why? Why do you think that is? Because they don't want. Because if they have to get a new mortgage in a new home, they don't want the higher interest rate. Because they're paying two or three percent, right? And they're going to have to take a new mortgage at seven. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking that there are probably people out there that are going to, when they do dump their house, they're going to rent. That depends. It's funny you should say that because I agree with you again. I don't know why I'm agreeing with you so much tonight. <laughs> I agree with you. You know, if you're in your 60s or 70s, why you got to buy a home? But I have so many clients who say to me, Michael, I hate the idea of, pa of paying rent and I I'm going to buy another place. It's more than half of my clients will always own a home. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to buy another home, but first of all, I'm not the greatest homeowner. I'm not Mr. Fix-It. So it's very, you know, some people are much better homeowners than I. Mm -hmm. You know, if something goes wrong in my house, 
who am I going to call? That, mm-hmm. That's 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 my the way I look at it, and that's not a good way to be a homeowner. Uh, I live in a townhouse now, Mike, and I'm really glad I do because mm-hmm. there's a lot less that can go wrong. There's a lot less to fix. You know, everything on the outside of the building is the is the kind of is the uh, townhouse association, and everything on the inside is mine. Mm-hmm. So so I I like that move that I made. I downsized. I was living in Fort Salonga, spending a fortune uh, on three quarters of an acre with a swimming pool and all that stuff. When I tell you, I'm spending a fortune, Mike, mm-hmm. a fortune. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not spending a fortune. But if I could find an apartment, a nice two-bedroom apartment in another state, mm-hmm. in another state, obviously another state, uh, for fifteen or eighteen hundred dollars a month, which is what I'm seeing in certain parts of the country, where um, you know I may wind up someday when I retire, uh, I find that very attractive because there's no, there's nothing to do. If you're an apartment person, whatever goes wrong, the the, the building fixes it. Look. You know, I am licensed in Texas, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, because that's where my clients have moved, mm. right? I didn't need to be licensed in South Carolina if I didn't have any clients there. Right. So again, you're not in the in the minority there. A lot of people are thinking the same way, mm-hmm. where they're leaving the state, they're leaving Long Island. Let me not the state, and and they're moving to states which is more cost effective. There's a city called, I'll give everybody a tip, Dunkirk. You ever heard of it? I've heard the movie. Uh, not the movie. <laughs> Dunkirk, New York. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not far from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading some PR material about it. And one of my clients, one of my staffing clients is there in Dunkirk. And they can't get candidates because it's, it's very remote. If you're not a, a Buffalo student. There's probably nobody there, mm-hmm. you know. It's it, it's, a, but it's a beautiful lakefront property. You can rent a three bedroom house for for nothing. I mean, uh, like for fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars a month. They're giving them away. Um, so there are pockets in the country where it does make sense to do this. But Long Island is just so enormously expensive that that I I don't want to stay here. If I retire, I don't want to struggle. To stay on Long Island, the benefits with the high taxes and the energy and all the stuff that we pay for here on Long Island and the NIMBYism, you know, it's enough to drive someone off Long Island. So what are your thoughts about the island? You know, I I worry for the long-term success of Long Island, not because of you and me, but for our children and grandchildren that they are going to want to leave because they just can't afford to stay here. Mm. So, you know, I have two kids. One's 29, one's 33. Um, they tell me all the time that their friends could not afford to stay on Long Island if not for the help of their parents, right? Um, so, so look, if we leave Long Island, we're leaving because of the lifestyle, and you're right, it's expensive. But there are, there are younger people who want to stay on Long Island. They grew up here, and they feel forced out because they, were, they weren't lucky enough to have parents who could help them. They can't afford to stay. So I think economically, Long Island, I don't know how they address that. I don't know if it's more affordable housing. Um, but Long Island does have a, a problem with millennials and younger because um, they may want to stay, but I don't know if they could afford to stay. And they used to call it the brain drain. You know, it was a commonly used expression. And uh, I, I, I now feel as though I'm on the other end of that, at the late end of that, uh, because I, I, I can get an apartment on Long Island that I like for probably $4,000 a month, where I can get maybe $1,800 a month in another state. So why should I? 
Well, Why should any of us pay that kind of money? Well, again, it may not be you, but a lot of people also drawn to Long Island or want to stay on Long Island because they're a 45-minute train ride to New York City. Mm-hmm. Right. So I happen to be in New York City frequently, not only for work, but for sporting events and, and shows and museums and restaurants. So I think those folks who enjoy having easy access to Manhattan without having live in Manhattan – that's one of the appeals of being on Long Island, Scott. Yeah, I don't have that appeal. I, I know you don't. Yeah. I know. I can't even get you to Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I know. You gave me your 30-minute excuses why you didn't want to go to Yankee Stadium. Well, I, I, I to- <laughs> the funny story, and I'll make it fast. The funny story is I did go in July to a game. It was 93 degrees when I got to the stadium. I had to walk. The elevator wasn't working. I had to walk up five um, what do you call a switchback? Uh-huh. Uh, the, the ramps. The ramps in order to get to my seat. Uh, I was schwitzing by the time I got there. I sat there miserable the whole time. I love the Yankees. I love I love baseball. I love being at a ball game. But it's got to be when it's cool out. I can't do it when it's boiling hot. So so I, if I turned you down, I apologize. Try me again next year when the weather's just a little bit better. I got gotcha. you. All right. So we only have a minute left. I want people one more time to know how to reach you, Mike. If they want some financial planning advice, they could do a lot worse than uh, Michael Hartzman. Thank you, Scott. So the, the, the email, my email is mhartzman, M-H-A-R-T-Z-M-A-N at labenthal.com. The website is labenthal.com as well. And the main number for our office in Jericho, New York, is 516-349-5555. And how do you think earnings are going to continue? we got another half minute. Scott, there's been no surprises, no negative surprises yet. So mm-hmm. the banks always go first. The banks had decent earnings. Um, you know, I, I believe yesterday Johnson & Johnson came out. It wasn't great. There, as long as there's no major tremors or no... Look, there's going to be one or two or three companies that always have poor earnings. Mm -hmm. But as long as more than 50% meet their expected earnings rate, we'll be fine. And I expect that to happen. Okay. So um, fabulous. Mike, thanks so much for being here and for for placating me as best you can uh, and keeping me under control uh, because I get so fired up about the economy. It's not funny. Uh, I can't even talk to my friends about it, you know, because it, because it, it becomes political. Then they want to turn to politics, and that's when I get really mad. So, anyway, uh, you've been listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor and his and his opinions, uh, and his friend Mike Hartsman, who is a really a well balanced, really intelligent, really smart guy. If you need help with financial planning uh, for yourself, uh, I would certainly go to Mike. So, so he's the guy that I would go to. One more time, your website, Mike, is Labenthal L E B E N T H A L dot com. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. Have a great week, everybody. We have a great show coming up next week, and I will see you soon. Happy hunting. May the four winds blow you safely The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.